From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., the new Republican leader of the state Senate made a big splash last week when he dashed all hopes of marijuana being legalized in Wisconsin anytime soon. Senate Majority Leader Devin Lemahue told WISPolitics.com that for the most part, members don't support legalizing marijuana for either medical or recreational purposes. Democratic Governor Tony Evers' budget proposal calls for legalizing marijuana, but Lemahieu says it remains illegal under federal law and should be discussed at the federal level. Assembly Speaker Robin Voss signaled during the last legislative session that he would at least support medical marijuana. So what changed, and are you surprised by this latest development? No, I mean... Look, uh, Robin Voss kind of raised a little stir a couple of years ago when he said he was open to medical marijuana because it seemed like there might be then some room to get that bill moving. But then Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald quickly squashed the idea saying he's personally opposed and he thinks it's a good idea. I think I get the impression some people thought that Fitzgerald was the roadblock to medical marijuana in the state legislature. And that's not really the case. It's really more that the Senate Republican caucus is not there in big enough numbers to pass a bill that would legalize medical marijuana. Now, there seems to be a wing of that caucus that is open to medical marijuana. There's a wing of that Senate Republican caucus that is absolutely opposed to medical marijuana. And there are some folks kind of in a squishy middle that kind of have various degrees of where they're at. And the rule of thumb with, you know, majority leaders in the state Senate, generally speaking, is unless you have the votes needed to pass a bill, which is 17, from your own caucus, you usually don't go to the floor with a bill because then you're enabling the minority to demand things because you need their support to pass something, especially on something as um, touchy as this with the Republican base. You're not going to see Lemahieu do that. Also, you know, Lemahieu seems personally opposed to it for the most part. So it, it's a double, uh, kind of a double hurdle, right? You got the caucus isn't there. The leader's not there. It's not going anywhere. And, you know, look, we expect that when the governor's budget um, – when the Joint Finance Committee really starts to vote on that thing, one of the first things that committee will do is do a motion. They'll strip out a whole host of provisions Evers wanted, including including the marijuana stuff. It's just not going to happen with this legislature right now. Well, this was one of Evers' biggest campaign promises, that Wisconsin would legalize marijuana. It seems clear that it won't happen. How might this affect Evers' campaign if he decides to run for re-election next year? I don't know it's a make or break issue, but he's kept his promise to keep pushing for it. And so his supporters know that it's something that he cares about. And quite frankly, um, you look at the Marquette Law School poll, medical marijuana is like an 80-20 issue. And legalizing marijuana period is like in the upper 50s, I think it was last time it was asked. Now it's been some time since they polled on that question. That said, from what we've seen, those proposals are popular. And that's the thing about a lot of what governors is pushing that Republicans are rejecting such as the Medicaid expansion, things like that, they're popular with the public. Now, not everything. There are definitely some things he wants to do that are not uh, political winners for him with the general public. But some stuff like this that he's having these fights with the legislature over, he's on the kind of quote-unquote high ground politically because the voters are with him on it. 
Also last week, Wisconsin State Treasurer Sarah Godlewski announced she is running for U.S. Senate next year. She joins Milwaukee Bucks Executive Alex Lasry and Outagamie County Executive Tom Nelson, who are vying for the Democratic nomination. Republican incumbent Ron Johnson hasn't announced yet whether he'll seek a third term. Godlewski is capable of raising a lot of money and is likely to put personal wealth into her campaign. Plus, Emily's List, a national organization which helps elect female candidates, has also thrown its support behind her. Meanwhile, Alex Lasry, who is the son of a billionaire hedge fund manager, raised $1 million in the first six weeks of his campaign. So, with two of the candidates having a lot of money, what kind of Democratic primary do you envision for this seat? Well, it depends on if Mandela Barnes gets in. So, we actually already have a fourth candidate um, who's not a very well known. It's a Dr. Jillian Battino, who's a doctor from Hawassa. She's formally announced. Um, Steve Alacara, who's was with a group called Millennial Action Project, he's looking at it. Citizen Chris Larson's kicking the tires. And so what you're trying to get at, there, there's a, a crowded field that could develop. But what I'm really watching is Lieutenant Governor, because in talking to people, you know, about a crowded race, we talk about lanes. So, for example, Alex Lazary, he's from Milwaukee, right? Well, he's from New York, but lives in Milwaukee now. He's kind of trying to, he's got a Milwaukee-based campaign. He's trying to stretch his reach beyond southeast Wisconsin and pull more people in. Tom Nelson has got kind of the outstate campaign. The challenge for him is that there aren't that many voters in Democratic primaries outside of the corridor between Madison and Milwaukee. So how does he break through, uh, get enough support to kind of make his campaign viable? Godlewski is seen as a little bit more of a Madison candidate because she's from Eau Claire, spent a lot of her adult life outside of Wisconsin, moved back a few years ago, but she's kind of more back in Madison, so she'd get some support from uh, groups that support female candidates. So that's kind of the lanes we talk about. Now, ben Mandela kind of scrambles that calculation a little bit. He's from Milwaukee, so he's got one foot in that lane, but he's also got a lot of ties in Dane County because progressive groups are really enamored with him. He's got a great rotation with them, so he's also got a foot in the Madison world. Godlewski is likely going to get some national money behind her because there are groups that support female candidates and like her profile and her policies. If Barnes gets in, there are also national groups that would support him. There's also a question of how would that race look like if you have a Democratic Party uh, that's really kind of become more and more attuned with racial justice issues to have you know one black candidate race and Mandela Barnes. How's that shape things? There are all these factors that we just don't know right now because we're waiting to see what Barnes does. These other candidates get in, and how's it shape things up? What we're going to be watching for now is how do Lazary, Nelson, and Galuski do financially? The expectation is that Barnes wouldn't get in until after the budget is done. Who knows when lawmakers will finish that in state capital, though you know, the next fiscal year starts July 1st. But Barnes' main priority right now is to get that budget done as a kind of the governor's wingman, right? He's got to focus on that. So once that's done, then we might start to see Barnes, some movement there on the Barnes front, if he's in or not. Um, and if he gets in, you know, he, again, really scrambles a calculation that race. You're going to see Nelson, Lazary, and Galuski do their best to lock up endorsements and raise money until there's a decision from him just in case to try and give themselves a little bit of a, a head start on lieutenant governor.
And finally, Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Annette Ziegler has been elected by her peers on the court to replace Pat Rogensack as Chief Justice of the body. Chief Justice terms only last two years, and in a news release, Rogensack said she didn't want another term in the position, but wants to stay on the court. Both Rogensack and Ziegler make up the four to three conservative leaning of the court. What do you think a court run by Annette Ziegler will look like? Well, it'd probably look a lot like what Pat Rogensack was doing. They're like-minded. Uh, they're both probably conservative majority. Uh, so uh, not expecting any big changes. Plus, you know, being chief justice, a lot of administrative stuff. It's not necessarily like you get to have an extra vote and a decision or anything because you're chief justice. You're basically running the, not just the state Supreme Court, but the state court system. So there's, you know, some responsibilities with that. What's interesting is that, you know, Rogensack, looked like she wanted to, to walk away from this a couple of years ago from my sources, but the conservative majority in that court has been somewhat fractured. There are some tensions there among some members, and it was hard to find somebody who could be a consensus candidate a couple of years ago to take over for Rogensack. In this environment where Rogensack wants to step away, Ziegler was the one who could get the other, can, other conservatives on board behind her. Also interesting to note that this ensures that Ziegler gets to be Chief Justice before 2023, that is when Pat Rogensack's seat is up. Uh, Justice Rogensack is 80 years old. She's not expected to see another 10-year term in two years. Even if she does, that race will be for control of the court. That race is going to be expensive. It's going to be nasty. Uh, it's going to attract national attention. It also could flip the court to a liberal majority and end the run of conservatives You know, running the court. So by doing this change now, it gives it a chance to have that that line on her resume. She was Chief Justice of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.